Well, this morning, I hope that you are being uh, blessed on Facebook Live. We're really excited about being with you this morning, and we hope that you are enjoying your coffee, or as Stacy said last week, maybe some popcorn. But whatever you're having uh, your, this morning, we hope that you're encouraged by the music, being informed by our announcements, uh, just being lifted up and encouraged that God is with you through this time. The Lord is with you. He is faithful. He will continue. As he was in the Old Testament, he will continue with us here even today in our 21st century. And we have that promise, and we're excited about that promise. Now, maybe uh, you're watching right now, and you don't have your spouse with you. I want to encourage you to maybe call on your husband or your wife to come close to you right now. And if they are, that's great. Stay close through this message. We want to encourage you at the end. Uh, we have a, a good opportunity for you to come together as a couple. If, uh, if you're not, they're not able to be there right now, that's okay. You can watch it later on Facebook, and we will encourage you to do so uh, as we move on. Now, this is our last week in our marriage series, which is entitled Divorce Proof Your Marriage. This is our fourth week. We have been going through uh, the last couple of weeks about the importance of why we as Grace Church hold on to marriage and why it's important. So I just want to highlight a few things here. And while you're sitting there and you're watching as you're maybe making some comments on Facebook Live, would you tell us where you are right now, the city, the state, where you are? Maybe you're not in our area, Southern Maryland. Maybe you're from abroad. And we would encourage you to write those in the comments because we would like to know that you're with us today. Also, would you also do one more thing for me? Would you write in the comments, how long have you been married? How many years? Uh, no, there won't be a prize for you, but how many years? And we want to encourage you to just let us know because as we're watching along with you, uh, as one of, some of the people here in our church are watching along, it would be cool to kind of communicate with each other as we are engaged in our new normal through this season here at Grace Church. But let me begin uh, by saying or just reciting some of these comments that we've made in the last few weeks. Um, for we are Grace Church. Waldorf that believe with marriage that the term marriage only has one meaning. The uniting of one man and one woman in a single exclusive union as presented in scripture. As the scripture says, Genesis 2, 24 and 25, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were, were both naked and were not Ashamed. So this union is formed in a civil and religious manner, consummated through sexual intimacy. And as a covenant, and we'll talk more about this, it is a covenant established by God to reflect his glory, represent Christ's love for the church, and offer hope to a world that needs the love and salvation of Jesus Christ. And there's never been a time where people, even where we're going through, would recognize the importance of salvation in Christ. And we as his people want to take advantage of that. So the last couple of weeks, we've been going through what we call a marriage map. You started up on top with the dream, the dream where we were talking about for weeks about the dream. It's not dream, 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 dream. No, it's not that dream, but it's a dream that you once had with your marriage, and it's a dream you hold on to, but then all of a sudden you're going down and you're descending down this marriage mountain 
to disappointment because you realize that your partner, your spouse, wasn't perfect. And then from disappointment, when you're engulfed in that disappointment, turns to discouragement, and then discouragement leads toward distance. And then distance then goes to disconnect, which most psychologists, marriage counselors would believe that disconnect means that there are times when you're no longer talking, there's a possibility of an affair occurring there, whether it be emotional affair or a physical affair. And then discord comes where there is no sexual intimacy in the marriage. And then when there's such a discord in the marriage, it, it just goes into what we call an emotional divorce. And so if you're at that place in your marriage, if you're a Christian and you're two Christians at that place, there's hope. There's hope for you, even if you don't know what it means. Maybe you're watching today and you don't know what that means. Maybe you're just tired because you're tired of your marriage. It could be emotional divorce. We want to encourage you that we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks of the importance of coming back and getting back to the dream. From the bottom, we talked about forgiving love, that it's a process. It's a pattern of life. It's a choice that you want to forgive because Jesus Christ forgave us of our sins. And then you went, we went to serving love, the importance of knowing a need and meeting that need, communicating that need. So if you know the need of your spouse, whether you're a husband or a wife, you want to know that need so you can work on meeting that need. And then we didn't talk about persevering love, which is the next, but we, we talked about guarding love. And guarding love, again, is the importance of guarding from outside intruders. And one being Satan himself, the enemy, can come in and try to destroy a marriage. And we, we want us to all as, as husbands and wives, especially husbands who are leading in their homes, need to guard their wives, need to guard their marriage. And God has given us the resources to do so. We have his word, we have prayer, and we have resources to help you in your marriage and our marriages. And then celebrating love, which we're not going to talk about this week, but important to celebrate it each day. Each day of your life, your spouse, thank God for your spouse. And then Today, we're going to finish up with renewing love. Renewing love is the last stage because we hope to get back to the dream. And we're going to call it renewing love that make it last forever. Make it last forever. We've been talking about the importance of why divorce-proof your marriage is important in light of our marriages here at Grace Church. And someone may be asking the question, why, Bruno? Well, I'll say why, because i got to read some information to you that is troubling, troubling in our world, troubling in our country about divorce. I just want to read some information to you. You know, when I looked at this divorce rate by country, the United States is the fifth largest country with divorce, 46%. Just preceding that is Russia, that's 51%. France, that's 55%. Spain, that's 65%. And it goes on. There's even one country, it's 87%. A small country, Luxembourg. And so the divorce rate per 1,000 married women is nearly double that of 1960 but down from the all-time highs of 22% in the early 1980s. Almost 50% of all marriages in the United States will end in divorce or separation. Researchers estimate that 41% of all first marriages end in divorce. 60% on second marriages end in divorce. 73% on their third try at marriage. 
And so it's important to understand that how often divorce takes place in the United States. Every 13 seconds, there's one divorce in America. That equals to 277 divorces per hour, 6,600 divorces per day, four, over 46,000 divorces per week, and over almost 2.5 million divorces per year. So when I ask that question, why is it important for us to teach on divorce-proof your marriage? It's because we get statistics like this. And it's troubling. It's troubling. You know, maybe, you know, I don't know about you, but Pastor Dennis and I, we love sports and we talk often about sports and we even use sports analogies. And I have a football in front of me and you're going to say, what in the world are you thinking about now, Bruno? You're thinking about using a football as an analogy for marriage? Well, I was practicing um, my stature because I was working on the Heisman. I was trying to make sure that I had that right because the Heisman, you have the running back putting out what we call a stiff arm when he's running. And when the running back is trying, he's trying to pull away his opponent, he's saying, get away from me. I'm going to get by you because I got to run for a touchdown. And I wonder in our marriages if a spouse is doing what we call a stiff arm. Get away from me. I have a plan. I'm going on my own. How often does a marriage go through that? Is that that place of disconnect or even possible discord? Or maybe you're in this emotional divorce and you're like, get away. I think sometimes we can use that analogy. Or maybe you're in this marriage and you want your marriage to be better and you're pulling back. And when the quarterback goes back to pass, he starts to form and throwing the ball. But what happens is he never sees, he just stays there and then he's not sure if he should throw it. And he keeps holding the ball until finally he gets sacked or he has to potentially throw it away. And sometimes there are marriages that you have great intention to make, you know, a pass. You're ready to pass the ball and you're going back, but you don't follow through. You're not sure. I think that's most marriages. I would like to think that maybe the best marriage out there is one who goes back to pass, kind of sets up and releases, throws the ball, and the receiver receives the ball and catches it. Because you're advancing the ball, you're getting a first down, you want to go all the way because your goal is to get a touchdown. But how many of us are intentional? How many of us have a plan, but we're not sure how to play? I mean, you know, you, you don't know if you want to execute the play. And so we all have plays, we get in huddles, and we, we say we want to get our marriages together, we want to advance the ball, we want to get a touchdown, but how often do we just huddle up? but we don't execute the play. And I would encourage you, I hope that your marriage is not stiff-armed because the Heisman is a cool position. It's a great trophy for a college player. It's one of the elites, the best. But in the stiff arm of a marriage, that's not the best thing to do. So I want to encourage you that as we think about divorce-proof your marriage as our last week together, we have to see what the scriptures are talking about. Actually, the God of Israel highlights that. So I want to just turn to, if we can, for just a moment to the book of Malachi. And before we get there, I just want to give you a quick background. See, the Lord God of Israel, honestly, the God of this universe, who is not surprised of the happenings in our world, even today in our country, in our lives. He's in control, and he's almighty God in every context and situation, circumstance, and all through our difficulties, even in this pandemic. 
and he will continue to be. But we have to understand that at this time that I'm, we're talking about in the book of Malachi, the Israelites just came out of a 70-year captivity. And all the prophets were being lined up to speak to the people of Israel. And even Zechariah, who spoke to the people of Israel, encouraged them to repent. In fact, he commanded them to repent because God was commanding him through the prophet. But they became cold. They were faithless. They were corrupt. They continued in their behavior that distanced themselves from God. So now God calls on Malachi to bring forth that same message. And as we think about the book of Malachi, he brings forth that same message like all the minor prophets in the Old Testament. Repent, for the kingdom is at hand, but repent. And so as you think and you see this, after Zechariah tries it, Malachi does it. And when he does, after a short period of time, he's calling on them because the priests were corrupt toward God and their worship. Their hearts became apathetic. They were out of harmony with God. And they were living in routine without passion toward God. There was social injustice and even tithing was being ignored. One of the identified subjects was divorce. Because what was happening was people were getting married, but they were acting corrupt. And their marriages were beginning to exemplify faithlessness rather than faithfulness to God. They became blinded and selfish in their marriages. And so as we look at this passage, I want to read to you. And this is actually an older version of NLT from the 1996. I wanted to highlight that because you may be looking at the ESV and you may say, you know, wait a minute. I'm not catching or reading along. I just want to encourage you, just read along with me if you have the screen right in front of you there as you're watching. You cry out, why has the Lord abandoned us? I tell you why. Because the Lord witnessed the vows you and your wife made to each other on your wedding day when you were young. But you have been disloyal to her, though she remained your faithful companion, the wife of your marriage vows. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife in body and in spirit? You are his. And what does he want? Godly children from your union. So guard yourself, remain loyal to your wife of your youth, for I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. It is as cruel as putting on a victim's bloodstains coat, says the Lord Almighty. So guard yourself, always remain loyal to your wife. Let me just share, Malachi, I believe, teaches six fundamental truths from the marriage covenant. First of all, it's witnessed by God. Now, as we see in the passage, we understand that it's witnessed by God. The marriage covenant is one that has been established by God, as we said at the beginning, and we've been saying for weeks now, and God witnesses the marriage which means that he endorses the union and the commitment that has been made to God to each other. So when a husband and wife come together and they say for better or for worse, they're making a commitment to God and to one another. So there's a covenant, and the covenant is important to understand because it's a binding agreement with God to stay the course no matter what. And so when we understand that, we see that God brings two people together. As I've said for weeks, it's a triangle. God's at the top, individuals on the side, and they're focused on God, which makes that establishment, that foundation strong. And so God witnesses that. 
In other words, the spouse can't say to God, you see, she's been doing this for a long time and I'm tired of it, so I'm going to leave. Or God can, you know, God can say this, I've witnessed your vows. You said better or worse. You said sickness and in hell. You said death till us part. And yet, what happened? You divorced. See, God truly does. He witnesses that marriage. And it's important for us to understand that it's not just a human witness. When we marry two people, God brings two people together. When we're married to someone, we're committed to God. So the first thing we have to understand that it's witnessed by God. Two, it's one of the top, top of God's top priorities. It's one of his, one of those God's priority thing. Because here's the thing. You might be saying, wait a minute, I'm not married. Does that mean I'm not one of God's top priority? No, no, no. That's not what it's saying. It's not saying that at all. See, I, what it's saying is if you are married, then God makes sure that this is one of his top priorities. Why? Because it's a covenant that he created. It's an establishment that he made between a man and a woman to reflect his glory, to honor his name, to represent him wherever we go. Do you know, Christian, that when you've committed yourself to your spouse, husband, or wife, that ultimately that your marriage is to bring honor and glory to God, not to each other first? In fact, I don't believe you're married to complete one another. I believe you're married because you are to bring glory to God. You reflect who he is, not only his glory, but to reveal his character. So husband, when you're leading your wife, you're reflecting the character that God has established through his son. Just as Christ loves the church, husbands, we are to love our wives. And it's reciprocal because the wives are to submit to their husbands, but also to love them. And it's important because the word likewise, even in Ephesians, highlights that, to say that likewise, love and submit. And when we submit, we as husbands, we are to love them and to lead them and to care for them. And we are to lead them in a way that we are to lead them to the Father. So this is important. That's why when you make a commitment and you want to marry someone, this is God's, one of God's top priorities to keep you together. But it's a choice we have to make. And it's important for us to realize that it's a priority that we have to be willing to go towards. Intentionality, not sitting on the couch and waiting for your wife to serve you, husband. Or wife, not expecting your husband to meet your every need and then you'll just resent him if he doesn't. It's important for us to keep in mind that we have to keep that in order. Number three, it brings two people together as one. We understand that. We recognize that as we, he's bringing two people together as one. Because as he does that, as the one flesh coming together as God has created, he's called for us to be faithful. But even in the scriptures in Malachi, when it says that they were disloyal, they were faithless. They decided not to follow God. In fact, that word disloyal is to act underhandedly or deceitful. And so if we're faithless in our marriages, if we're not committed to following our marriages as God would intend for us to do, we're being deceitful. We're being underhanded, meaning we're being selfish. We're only looking out for ourselves. See, God brought two together as one, ultimately to bring glory to him. So I want to encourage you as we understand that this is the purpose of the marriage covenant to do that. Four, it promotes a godly offspring. As we understand 
that the purpose of why two people are together is not to just be married. It's not to say, hey, I've provided for you. Hey, I'm making dinner for you if you're the wife. Hey, I come home and I bring the bacon and you cook it. That's not what it's about. It's not about an idle marriage because if that's the case, then your marriage will only go as far as you intend it to be. But God intends for intentionality that we want to be able to have great marriages, that we want to bring glory to God, that we want to make sure that ultimately it does, that the two become in one. But here's another thing why the two become one is to procreate. There's no other union created by God husband and wife, the marriage. And marriage in that union is established for procreating, but not just simply multiplying here on earth. It's to bring forth an offspring that seeks God. God created us to have a relationship with him. Maybe you're out there today and you're wondering, why have I ever been created? What's the purpose? Why did God create me? Well, I'm going to tell you right now today. He created you because he loves you because he wants a relationship with you. That's why he sent his son, Jesus. That's why he sent his son to us. And it's important for us to gather and recognize that that's the intentionality. That if you're a Christian couple and you haven't been intentional, about reaching out and training your children and and bringing them up in the admonition of the Lord, I want to encourage you, you have still a chance. You can turn back to Scripture. You can turn back from reading the Word of God in prayer because that's the purpose. Because when they see that godliness, the intentionality, when they see that you're interested about character, when they see that you create a cultivation, then they're going to be saying, okay, you know what? They're recognizing a godly marriage, and they're going to want to do the same. Generation upon generation, husband and wife, if you're together cultivating that marriage relationship and with intentionality, your children are going to follow that. They're going to see it, and they're going to follow it. So I want to encourage you. It's important to recognize how important it is that you do so. And so keep in mind that that means you have to be intentional. Fifth, what it does It promotes loyalty and faithfulness to God and to each other. That's what it does. But see, when God is faithful and he commits himself to the covenant that he's established, the unconditional covenant, especially with Abrahamic in the old and then to his son, the love of Christ, then too, it will promote us to be faithful to one another and we'll be faithful to God ultimately. So it's important to see that that's what it's saying in Malachi. God is showing forth faithfulness in this. Lastly, God hates divorce. He hates divorce. We mentioned that. We heard the statistics. I mean, God views divorce, as it's stated in the scripture, as an act of violence against an innocent victim. So when a spouse is unfaithful, this could be grounds for divorce. It's God's intention for all to remain married, even if this is the case. I would encourage you, if something like that has occurred in your marriage, fight for your marriage. Don't give up. I know I have so many friends who are much older than me where that happened in their marriage and they stuck it out. And now they've been married for the last 40 or 50 years, committed to God. And God has blessed their marriage. But I want to encourage you that it's God's intention, I believe, that you should remain remarried, remain married no matter what. And I think what's important to understand, too, is that if there is unfaithfulness, fight it to the end. And if you've exhausted every bit of the means, you have an, an exception clause here, but I would encourage you not to follow that. 
continue. I believe that's God's ultimate intention. And maybe you're thinking like, because I think Jesus said it in Matthew 5, 31, 32. Let me just read that to you. He said, it is also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. There's an option there. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual morality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. You might be in that situation. You might have come through that. And maybe you're wondering, why is there so much chaos? I'm married a second or third time. Well, guess what? There is going to be chaos in your life, even in Christ. But I can tell you right now, there's no point in looking back. It's move forward. Believe God through the difficulty. Know God hates divorce, but he doesn't hate you. And he loves you. He wants to work in your life. Be submissive to him and let him use your life as an example. And fight for your marriage even today. You know, it seemed that in those statistics that the percentages went up with the second marriages and the third marriages because you were more likely to divorce again because you haven't seen a good marriage yet. I want to encourage you, get the help you need. Don't divorce again. Stay married. Be encouraged. I believe if you could follow even some of these principles from the book, Divorce Proof Your Marriage, I believe you can have a long-lasting marriage because God hates divorce. We have to understand that. God hates divorce. Now, why has divorce escalated here in the United States? Well, we know that there is a fault versus no-fault divorce. I want to give you some statistics just to hold on here for just a second. It says 88% increase in most states while others have experienced as low as 10%. So meaning that when people went to a no-fault divorce, 88% in some states have increased in divorces because there was no other means but to say, you know what, I don't like her today, so I just think I'm going to divorce her. I don't like the way she keeps hair in the sink. I don't like the way she makes terrible meals. I can't stand when she wakes up, she doesn't make herself look nice for me. You know, you have some really crazy, stupid reasons, but the no-fault Divorce allows for people to just say, I had enough of this marriage. And yet, why? Where's another reason why? It's less expensive. It's, it's less negotiation about for the marriage to survive. Less accountability for bad behavior in a marriage. Less respect for children toward their parents. Less security for children. Hypocrisy. No commitment. No kept promises. Not even trustworthy. See, what happens in a marriage that leans to divorce is you lose trust. When people are faithless and unfaithful, it leads to divorce if it's not dealt with. And I just want to encourage you. God hates divorce and you're a Christian. Fight for your marriage. You have prayer. You have the reading of the word. You have other brothers and sisters in Christ. You have pastors. You have counselors that can help you through it. I just want to encourage you today that you have ways to redeem your love. Now, what are some ways in which we can redeem our love for one another? Let me just encourage you here. One is commitment to Christ. Commitment to Christ. You know, even in the scriptures, it says Colossians 2, 6, and 7, therefore, as you received Christ the Lord, so walk in him. That's a command. So live, walk, spend time with him, enjoy him, confess your sins, submit to God. Walk rooted and built up in him. Now, let me stop there. The word rooted is in a perfect tense in the Greek, which means that you're already established by God. You're what we call positional sanctification. You're established. You're rooted up. You have the roots that are rooted up in Christ. 
So that doesn't have anything to do with you. It has all to do with Jesus. And all you have to do is now it says, and built up in him. Meaning now that's in the present tense and it's continuous. Meaning that's positional sanctification. Walking with God, committed to Christ, daily surrendering, yielding your life to him. So when you're in your marriages, surrender, die to self. Don't get your way. Don't think you have to be right. Because Jesus is a servant. He's a servant leader. He came not to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. And what would be nice if when you're walking with Christ, you would die to self and serve your wife, husband, or wife. How about serving your husband? And that's what that is about, positional and then progressive sanctification. That's where we're established. Because it goes on and says, and established in the faith. That's our foundation, our established faith, the Lord Jesus Christ, the person and work of Christ, just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving. Here's another scripture, too, that I love, 1 Timothy 4, 6 through 10. Just read with me, and I'll share with you. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, meaning it's in being trained. See, being trained, it's not sitting back, being idle, but being intentional, being trained, being committed, making out a plan. Don't just sit there and stiff arm your wife. Sit back. When you're doing that and when you're set up to throw the ball, finish it by f- releasing the ball. But get a plan in order. What's the plan? To train yourself in the Lord, to die to self, to serve your wife, serve your children, be an example, be faithful to God, be faithful to your spouse, and then you'll see that godly offspring forward in your life. That's the importance. This is what he's saying in our relationship with Christ, to be trained in the words of faith and of good doctrine because that's the foundation that you have followed. Having nothing to do with the irreverent silly myths, rather train yourself for godliness. He repeats it. And then he goes on to say this, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise from this present life and also for the present life to come. Meaning it's established. We're going to be in his glory forever. But right now, we've got to get ready now. We've got to be ready now. And that's with our marriages. We've got to be intentional. We've got to be trained in our faith, committed to Christ. Because this is where it says, thus saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Which is a doctrinal statement. There's five of them in the epistles here. For to this end, we toil and strive. Because we have our hope set on the living God, who is our Savior of all people, especially of those who believe God. So one, we want to renew our commitment to Christ, our commitment in our marriages, and we want to start with Christ. Two, we want to be about the covenant. We just mentioned it about the covenant, the importance of the covenant. Stay firm, why? Because God established it. Keep the covenant. Keep the oneness. Keep serving, keep loving. That's number two. Number three, your spouse. Now, here's when I, when I write the word spouse out. Be your, their greatest fan. Husband, be your wife's greatest fan. Cheer her on. I know at times I wish I'd cheer my wife on more than I do. I have to be full disclosure. I don't do that as often, but I would love to. My wife is watching right now. She goes, amen. You're right. You don't. So here's the thing. But with the spouse, you want to cheer them on. You want to spend time with them. Hey, wife, 
Okay, maybe your husband likes to play golf. Maybe your husband likes to watch sports. Maybe your husband likes to do something. Will you join him? I know it's torture. I know you got to watch golf or you got to watch a baseball game or a football game or maybe even learn how to play the game of golf. I can tell you right now, it's not easy. But join your husband. Now, husband, I know some of you don't like chick flicks. I know it's tough. I know that you can't stand some of those, you know, those shows and what she wants to do. But I want to encourage you. Want to spend some time? Husband, do it. I mean, the results are awesome. I mean, you're going to get some really good results out of that because, you know, wash the dishes, sweep the floor, vacuum. Some of you are guys like me saying, I really like doing that. Well, find something else that she likes. And I don't know what to tell you because I love to clean. My wife's laughing right now because I'm a clean freak. But here's the thing. Find something to do with your spouse. What interests them? Maybe you want to even ask the question, what do you like to do? What would you like to do? I know, Joya, you're probably saying, boy, you should work on that. What would you like to watch tonight? Where would you like to go? How about rubbing my feet? Okay, for some of you, that's a joke with me and my wife. Now, lastly, the dream. Get back to the dream. Let's just get back to the dream. Fight for it. That's why with this chart, it's real simple. Forgive. Maybe you haven't forgiven your husband. Maybe you're in an emotional divorce. And you say you have forgiven him or her, but you haven't. What about serving? Have you served your wife or your husband? How about guarding? When was the last time that you, husband, have guarded your, your wife? Renew, renew, renew. Get back to the dream. Get back to the dream. Before the team comes up, I just want you, I asked you, there in Facebook land to watch with your spouse. And if you are near to your spouse right now, some of us are not, I want you to grab the hand of your spouse. And as you do, I just want to read something to you. And I want you to both, as you're holding hands, repeat this together. So if you were to repeat this renewing of your vows to renew your love today, I just want to simply read this to you. I do. Today, I choose you to be my spouse. Promise to continue living with you according to God's holy word. On this ordinary day of our life together, I promise to keep on loving you, to keep on comforting you, to keep on honoring and keeping you. Today, I stand and I'm standing by you for better or worse, in sickness and in health. Today and every day, I renounce all others. No websites, no magazines, no videos, no lingering leers or secret meetings. I give myself to you and only you so long as we both shall live.
people may ask me, will you take this one? And you must know, I do. So I want to just pray for you right now if you've made this commitment together. just want to take this moment. Father, for all the couples that have made this commitment again, I pray that you would etch this on their hearts. I pray that they would, as they're holding hands, recommit their lives to you and each other. And Lord, if there's been a marriage right now who's, who's just this particular marriage that's out there, it's been struggling, I pray that this renewing of the vows would challenge them. God, use this time as a time for them to seek you in their marriage. Lord, we love you. We surrender our lives to you. And thank you for this opportunity today to recommit our lives to you and renew our hearts together as couples in Jesus' name.